And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1945 classic radio drama episode of Arch Obler's Plays, starring Raymond Massey. But it's time now for Movie Jeopardy! Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular movies... And I'll try to name the movie while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? You've got it, Carl. And in this edition of Hollywood 360, we are going to be talking about Oscar-winning comedies. Okay. Because I like the comedy and I like those that win Oscars. So it's all good. Right. Uh, So this first Oscar-winning comedy, I will tell you that it is a musical. I know it's going to be rough on you. And I will also tell you that I think I'm the only person in all of Radioland that doesn't love this musical. Okay. I'm just not a fan, mm. but I think I'm in the minority. Okay. Let's hear it. This is your new governess, Proline Maria. As I sound your signals, you will step forward and give your name. You, Proline, will listen carefully, learn their signals so that you can call them when you want them. Lisa. Friedrich. Luisa. Kurt. Brigitte. Marta. Um, is that the sound of music? It is the sound of music. Wow. 1965 starring. Um, <laughs> I don't know that Julie Andrews, oh, Julie Andrews right? Yeah. And Christopher yeah. Plummer. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. that's pretty darn good. I used to call him all the time when I'd have a, uh, when leaky you had a faucet. problem in the bathroom. Got it. Oh, leaky faucet. When Same a problem thing. in the bathroom, I call a doctor. I was thinking in the toilet, but (laughs) 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 so the sound of music received five Academy Awards, including best picture and best director. Never saw this. I didn't think so. Never will. You know, it's not my favorite. I mentioned that. Okay, moving on. Friedrich. You like this one. What happened today is just the beginning. I thought you said these were comedies. I thought you said comedies. This isn't a comedy. This is not a comedy. No. No. You really think so? (laughs) I did say that's platoon. Comedies, and this is a war film, and it's platoon. That is absolutely right. How is that a comedy? It is not. It is not a comedy. I'm going to go with Oscar. Maybe you need to start taking Prevagen. Uh, Maybe I do. I'm going to change it to Oscar-winning films. And now we're all good. All right. That is platoon 1986, written and directed by. Trying to throw me. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to throw uh, myself. Yeah, that that was. um, something, something. Written and directed by. I know it. Uh, I know you do. He did JFK. I think you need the uh, um, the medication. Give me his here. first name. 
No, that's the whole thing. Give that, me a second. Give it away. That'll give it away too. What is it? It's the first film in the trilogy of Vietnam War films. Yeah. And um, what's his name? Nominated for eight Academy Awards and won four. Okay. Directed and written by Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Next Oscar-winning film, nineteen ninety-nine. So, what are you girls doing now? Dad, we're going out for pizza. Oh, really? Do you need a ride? We can give you a ride. I have a car. You want to come with us? Thanks, but I have a car. Oh, well, you yeah. have a car. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Because Janie's thinking about getting a car too soon, aren't you? Honey? Dad, mom's waiting for you. All right, so I totally know this movie. I know I'm you having, do. I'm having trouble coming up All with right, the name well, right I'm now. I'm going to help you. It stars. Well, I know who it stars. Well, tell I me. I know everybody well, in this movie. Well, tell me who it stars. Uh, <laughs> 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 put you on the spot here. Yeah. So, um, who's the guy? He's having a midlife oh crisis, gosh. I would say. This he is like one of the. Alan Ball produced it, directed yes. it. Yes. Uh, blue, something blue or something. That's Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. And he is. Crazy great and Mina Suvari oh, yeah, is the Mina one Suvari. that you gasped at. Yeah, she's great in it. Um, <laughs> and, um, I totally know this movie. I know. Ellen Ball wrote it. A, ba- a spacey one for best Wait, actor. I mean, hang on, it's right there. It's a tip best of my picture, tongue. best director. Ugh. Is it two words? It's two words. Give me one of the two words. That'll give it away. All right, just give me give me the give me the first letter. A. American Beauty. Yes. Ah. There you go. American okay, Beauty. you can sleep tonight. I said, All right. right? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. All right, okay. You can see it with like the yeah, roses I knew it. falling I was like, down uh, or the flowers. If, okay. If you have not seen this movie, folks, if you've not seen American what Beauty, a movie. you have got to see this movie. I agree with All you. Right. Okay, next, it, uh, musical. No, I hate musicals. <laughs> I know you do. Stars, just one thing everybody Actually, a little embarrassed to, to say, say this. You love. Not this only movie. do I know the movie, but I actually really like this movie. I was so shocked. You actually liked it more than I did. Yeah, you didn't really like this movie that I much. I know. I it was fine. I, was, I wasn't. I was. Crazy I was mesmerized it. by this movie. I right. thought it was fa- fantastic. Uh, maybe, maybe more about the people. In no, it no. Than the I, movie? I thought the acting was great. The story was great. The music was great. And it's I mean, called? the photography, unbelievable. It was beautiful. And it is called? It's La La Land. It's La La Land starring um, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. And Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yes, exactly. Fantastic so movie. it received 14 nominations in one six. Wow. So wow, that's big wow, time. Wow, wow. All right. Next yeah. one. It is a comedy. 1967. Oh. Hooray. I know. Pace. Look out, here comes the master race. Springtime. 
All right, so uh, that's definitely the producer. That is definitely correct, and it was written and directed by um, Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. Absolutely right. I just love this movie, and I love it. It's fact, it's a musical comedy. It sure it's is. It's tremendous, and it sure I saw is. this on Broadway. I've seen it with on Broadway Broderick, as well. with Matthew with Broderick, Matthew Broderick, and Nathan right. Lane. Yep, and then that's Mike, the original Mike Starr, who was in it, who was playing. Um, the cop, Clancy the cop or something. Oh, I don't know. He got me, you know, great tickets. And then he brought me backstage and I oh. got to meet Nathan God, Lane. You sound like me, Carl. <laughs> and Matthew Broderick. What a night. It was night, so right? great. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty- really crappy back there. You know that? Yeah. It's th- like, I mean, the dressing rooms. You would and the- never imagine it. You're on Broadway, like in the, right, in in the, the greatest, most theaters. fancy. You go backstage yeah. and it's gross. And it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I yeah, was like, this is where. Matthew Broderick and Nathan right. Lane are every day. It's right. like there's gum all over and there's like puke. They hope to have it's a bat disgusting. in there. Disgusting. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. uh, this was the producers was Brooks's directorial debut. He won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. One to go. Here we go. Nineteen eighty-eight. Sally Dibbs, Dibbs Sally, four six one oh one nine two. How did you know my phone number? How'd you know that? She said, read the telephone book last night. Dib Sally, 4610192. He uh, remembers things, little things sometimes. Isn't that crazy? Very clever, boys. I'll be right back. Yeah, she didn't believe him. Yeah. Well, I'm going to run the table here because I know this one. I know. Yeah. Um, it's, um, <laughs> it's Rain Man. It is Rain Man. You've got it. 1988. Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise, and, and what a film! And here's the thing: if Tom Cruise and I were in the room, in a room together, right, and we were both walking out of the room, right. you wouldn't know which one is me or Tom because you're the same height. We're like we look a lot alike from, from the, the back. From the back, yeah, yeah. I would give that to you. So, uh, it's a, yeah. something I put on my resume from the back that you could be his body I double could, from the back. From the back, yeah. Right, same size, same, same weight, pretty much same everything. same coloring, yeah. same yeah. hair. So, Fantastic. all right, Lisa, great job. I got them also. Great job, Lisa. <laughs> you did a great job. Great all movies. Right. <laughs> when we come back, it's Arch Obler's plays. You will really like it. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Remember the radio series Lights Out, Lisa? Of course. Well, the guy that just made that show his own, Arch Obler, he was so popular. They literally called him a literary genius when he was doing that show. And so they offered him another show when that went on hiatus. They gave him a program with his name in the title, Arch Obler's Plays. Came to radio in 1939, and the stories were mostly patriotic, and they starred big, big talent. Ingrid Bergman, Ronald Coleman, Orson Welles, Joan Crawford, Burgess Meredith. Occasionally, there was a mystery or a suspense story in there. And then it left after one season, but about five years later, Mutual brought it back to radio. Again, Arch Obler's Place. And we have a mutual broadcast for you now from 1945, April 26th to be exact. Raymond Massey stars in this, big star Raymond Massey. This is called The House I Live In. 
good drama. Here's part one now of Arch Obler's Plays. Mutual presents Arch Obler's Plays. The Mutual Broadcasting System has the pleasure of presenting the third broadcast of a special 26-week series of plays by radio playwright Arch Obler. In this series, we hope to bring you dramas full of the excitement and the meaning of plays told in relation to the expanding world in which we live. The play will be introduced by Arch Obler. Everyone is talking about the post-war home. Houses that'll be bought in packages and erected while you wait with a tack hammer and a button hook. They talk about vacuum glass walls and radiant heating and coal lighting and organic living and kitchen sinks, which will include everything but the kitchen sink. I read these notes about the brave new house and then I heard a song. And by that peculiar reverse alchemy of a playwright's mind, I've written a play, which my friend Raymond Massey will now bring you, which is about the house I live in but which has nothing to do with plastics or packaged conveniences, but which has to do with a man's heart. I want to tell you about the house I live in. I want to tell you how the house that had been mine lost its walls and all the rooms were filled with rubble and a dust arose. And when I looked again, the house was gone. Was it a bomb that fell? Bomb? Bomber over Elm Street, USA. But you say your house disappeared. How did it disappear? I'm going to tell you. The morning began as so many others had begun since. Tom and Elsa had gone. Again, I hadn't slept. I opened the front door, stood on the front porch, watched the daylight slowly wake up the street. It had rained during the night. I had listened to every drop. And now the light lit up the wet leaves as the trees shook themselves in the morning wind. Another day. And I was waiting. For eight o'clock. Sorry, Mr. Rogers. Nothing today. You sure? Perhaps the letter... Sorry, Mr. Rogers. Nothing today. Maybe it'll come tomorrow. I already knew about tomorrow. Sorry, Mr. Rogers. Nothing today. You know, it takes a long time for a letter to get to Elm Street from Japan. I went back into the house. Chairs, table, sofa. The piano Elsa had played. The piano Elsa had played. 
I went upstairs. Tom's room, just as it had been. His bed, his typewriter on the desk, his track shoes hanging from the side of that chair he had made in manual training. Just the way it had been that last night. Sure, Dad, sure, all packed. Uh, come on in, sit down. Socks, what do I want to take more socks for? But, Dad, didn't you ever hear of GI issue? Say, Dad, will you do something for me? All this junk here, will you hand it out to those Margolis kids down the street? Yeah. Yeah, the baseball and the mitt. <laughs> Remember when I broke my thumb on that hot liner? Oh, you better not give them the football until fall, because if you give it to them now, there won't be much of it left by then. Hey, Dad, did you hear about that? I'm getting farsighted. Dad, my track shoes, everything but my track shoes. I'll be doing a little running when I get back, if I'm still young enough. Me and my long gray beard doing the high hurdles. Oh, come on, Dad, it isn't as bad. Well, look, I'll be back soon. Don't you read the papers? Why, well, this war with the Japolas won't last six months once I get over there. Dad, well, this is just a guess, but I got a hunch we'll be starting the bomb Tokyo soon. Well, it's just a hunch, but if it happens, I'm going to be in on it, and, well, I'll, I'll send you a bird's-eye picture of the emperor's horse. Dad, something else. And we we almost got married last week, and then we didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, it was me. I, well, I wanted her to have a chance to change her mind if I didn't get... If I stayed away too long, she found out that absence didn't make the hard... Well, you know. If she needs anything... Well, keep an eye on her, will you? Thanks. How much time have I got left? Is that all? You watch. You sure you watch? Okay. I just want to sit here a little bit and look around. Yeah. Funny. I... I've always had so much time. Now I've only got enough to sit here. It's a swell room. In a good house. In a good life. Hey, hearts and flowers. Okay, Dad, get the car out. I'm all ready to go. Ready to go. Ready to go where? Tom, if I only knew where you were. Or if you were. Elsa's room. The silly room I'd call it with its frippery, billowing curtains, creton flounces on the dressing table at which she'd sat so many times, covering with glamour a face that was so very young. Christ, Dad, come on in. Dad, do you think this makeup's too dark? My lipstick? Well, I know it's red. It's the reddest I could get. Oh, Dad, this is a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to miss dressing up like this. Oh, that's silly. It's a beautiful uniform and a beautiful chance, and I want it. I miss all the frills. <laughs> if they heard me talk, they'd pull up the gangplank before I got there. <laughs> Tomorrow? Six o'clock. Dad, uh, I'd rather you didn't come down to the station. No, no, it isn't that. I, I, I 
Just don't want... Dad, please. Just the way you did when Tom... Just let me go along. Thank you, darling. Dad, I may not get another chance, or I'll say it again. Please, please don't forget to take the coffee pot off the stove every morning. If you burn the bottom out of it, I'll... All right, all right, I believe you. And eat right, Dad. Vegetables. Please have at least one vegetable a day. And beer isn't a vegetable. <laughs> if I come back and find you as fat as Patty's pig, I'm going to... I'm going to... Oh, Dad, I wish I had another week. Even another day. Make sure you'll be all right. I think I've arranged everything about the meals and the laundry and about the cleaning. I were only sure you'd be all right. Oh, I shouldn't talk like that. You'll be all right, and I'll be all right, and Tom is... All right. Gosh, I'm late for my date. Turn out the lights for me, will you, Dad? Everything is as it had been. But now a place I couldn't stay in. Out into the street to walk as I had done so many times before until the circle of my aimless steps brought me back to this empty house I lived in. I had made the walk so many times. Fifty steps and that silly little Pekingese of Mrs. Engelhart's would see me pass and yap at me. Another dozen steps and the broken piece of sidewalk in front of the Andrews place. Then the iron picket fence Tom used to run along when he was small, banging his stick along the iron pickets as he ran. So half the neighborhood knew his nibs was free of school for another day. I passed a big oak tree where Elsa would stand with her girlfriends when she was very young and giggle when the latest football hero passed. <laughs> laughter. Children's laughter. They'd laugh, too. They'd been full of laughter, my children. All right, we're listening to Arch Obler's plays, a story called The House I Live In from April 26, 1945. Um, very good drama here about a, a, a man's son in a Japanese prison camp, and the neighborhood just doesn't seem the same. Very uh, interesting series. Program 3 of 26 that Arch Obler wrote, produced, directed, and he's the host. So he uh, wore a few hats, you know? Yeah. Just a couple. Uh, also in this cast, Mercedes McCambridge. She was uh, one of Arch Obler's favorite actresses. She ended up later playing the voice of the demon in The Exorcist. You know, when Reagan is making that crazy voice, that's Mercedes McCambridge. All right, we'll get back to this in just a few minutes. Stick around. I'll do it. Oh! 
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co Host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. One of my heroes, Lisa, is a man named William F. Buckley Jr. You might remember him as the host of Firing Line on PBS. He hosted it for more than three decades. Anyway, Buckley got his start as founder of the magazine National Review back in 1955. And even back then... We had problems with sensationalistic, sloppy journalism, and he thought Americans deserved a serious, conservative voice in the public square. National Review was the answer to that problem, and they are continuing that legacy today. We are proud to be partnering with National Review here at Hollywood 360. More than 65 years later, Carl, they are still committed to producing serious journalism from a conservative perspective. So if you're looking for a serious news source grounded in America's founding principles, we have a special offer for Hollywood 360 listeners. Whether you like to read online or prefer a good magazine in your hands, you can start reading today by going to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. And use code Hollywood at checkout for 60% off any subscription. National Review, one of our new sponsors. Proud to have them. And uh, we're listening to Arch Obler's plays. Good story called The House I Live In from 1945. Here's the conclusion. Oh, oh, no. Tom, this one. Look at this one. Holy. Oh, wait a minute. Give me that. Oh, no. Dad, make her give it to me. Elsa, give Oh, me. no. This one goes to your commanding officer. Elsa, if you don't give me that picture. It's a museum. Elsa, I'm coming around that table and break your neck. Listen, Tragstar, I won't do you any good. I've got duplicates. No, Elsa. Dad, don't just stand there. Do something. Take any chance. I've got two dozen printed up. Oh, Dad, you shouldn't have given it. He said to clean out the drawer, so I did. Oh, but Elsa. I'll mail it to Hap Arnold, and they'll paint it on the nose of your bum. Oh, my sister, you snake in the grass. Pretty words won't get you anywhere. Oh, this makes up for every time you paddled me. Elsa. Oh, Dad, this is the most wonderful going away present. Mm-hmm. Elsa, dear. My beautiful, conceited brother at the age of three, riding naked on a white horse. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> my steps went past the children's laughter. The endless circle of my aimless steps. Well, Mr. Rogers... Johnson's boy suddenly was there, walking alongside of me. Can I walk with you, Mr. Rogers? All right. I heard a funny joke today. A man was riding along and he got lost. You know, he didn't know where he was, and he went up to a farmer and he said to the farmer, where's the road to town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, well, where's the road to the other town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, well, where's the road to some other town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, you don't know much, do you? And the farmer said, no, but I ain't lost. (laughs) 
funny joke, huh, Mr. Rogers? Yeah, very funny. I got a new harmonica. Have you? Do you play the harmonica? No. I can. My ma said, please get out of the house if you're going to play that. I got a headache. What a headache, Mr. Rogers. Loud noises, unnecessary conversations, worry. You got worries, Mr. Rogers? What's that song you were playing? I mean, a moment ago. I don't know. You got worries, Mr. Rogers. Play your harmonica, son. Okay. Alongside of me. Suddenly I realized that his eyes were on me as if he wanted to say something to me, yet was afraid to speak. And then he did speak. You, you take such big steps, Mr. Rogers. I'm sorry. That better? Yes. You going anywhere in particular, son? No, sir. No school today? Saturday. Oh, I forgot. You didn't know it was Saturday? Sometimes one day gets to be like another. Mr. Rogers, listen, you must wait. Jimmy Doolittle go over with a thousand, thousand flying forts and he'll get Tom out. You just wait and see. Jimmy Doolittle get him away from those Japs. Honesty will. And then he was gone. I kept on walking. Then, this thought. The boy, this neighbor boy, his meeting and walking with me had not been accidental. He had wanted to walk with me and say what he had said. A thousand, thousand flying fortresses, headed up by Superman, I suppose, with Tarzan of the Apes leading a charge of elephants toward my son's prison camp. Prison camp. I didn't even know if he was in a prison camp. Those devils. What have they done to my son? Good morning, Mr. Rogers. How are you this morning? I'm your neighbor, Mrs. Gibson. A woman? Yes, a neighbor. I'd seen her once or twice as I'd walk by. And now she was there walking with me, a grocery bag in her arm, and talking to me. Quite hard last night. Yes, it did. All the rain this spring has certainly done wonders for our lawns. I've noticed yours. It's very lovely. Yeah. Of course, the whole problem is to get someone to do the mowing. I saw you talking to little David Miller. I guess the smaller boys of this neighborhood will come into their own this year. What with the 12 and 14-year-olds all going off to help on the farms during their vacations. If the grass grows tall, there will be no harm. No, of course. No. Did you hear about the Griffith boy? No. He was out flying a kite, and it fell across those high-tension wires over on Oak Street. And he and some of the other boys got a ladder and put it across the telephone and telegraph post. And they were halfway up when Mr. Griffith came along. 
The Griffith boy had a metal fishing rod that he was going to use to lift the kite off the wires. Can you imagine that? He'd have been electrocuted if Mr. Griffith hadn't just happened to leave work early that day. If you ever expect them to grow up, you certainly have to watch your children every minute. I mean... I'm sorry, I'm... I mean, uh... Mr. Rogers, I, I wonder if I could ask you something. Yeah? Well, I know your daughter Elsa has been overseas for a long time, but my daughter Peggy is joining up, and... And you can understand how excited I've been. I was wondering if you could tell me anything that would... You were saying? I was just finding an excuse to talk to you. Peggy's joined up and gone. And I've watched you walk by my house every day. And today I started off to market just at this time, just so that I could have an excuse to, to tell you that, that Mr. Gibson and I would like very much to have you come to dinner some night this week. No, don't say yes or no now. Just think about it. And whenever you'd like to come over, just let us know. Goodbye. She turned and went. I'd walked along this street morning after morning, hundreds of mornings from the day after the news came that Tom wouldn't be back. And Elsa left the house to join up. Morning after morning, and always it had been alone. And now this, a, a boy, a woman. Childish prattle, feminine dinner-making. What was this today? Suddenly I heard that tune again, the one the boy had been playing. One of the houses along the street, a Negro woman singing as she swept the front porch. The house I live in, the friends that I have found, the folks beyond the railroad, and the people all around, the farmer on the worker, the sailor on the sea, the men who built this country, that's America to me, the house I live in, my neighbors, white and black, the people who just came here are from generations back, the town hall and the soapbox, the torch of liberty, a home for all God's children. That's America to me. The words of old Abe Lincoln, of Jefferson and Payne, of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and the tasks that still remain. Our little bridge 
at Concord, where freedom's fight began. Our Gettysburg and Midway, and the story of Betan, the house I live in, the goodness everywhere, a land of wealth and beauty, with enough for all to share. The house that we call freedom, the home of liberty, where the promise for tomorrow—that's a miracle to me. I lived in. The house I lived in was an empty house. It's a wonderful song, isn't it, Mr. Rogers? I turned. Who? And then I saw it was Anne. My Tom's Anne. I said, that's a wonderful song. Hello, Anne. Hello. You going anywhere in particular? I was just walking. You mind if I walk with you? No. Of course not. I'm glad to see you. How have you been? Fine, Mr. Rogers. Fine. I haven't seen you for quite some time. Almost a year. Has it been that long? Yes, it has. I had no idea. Mother and I have wanted very much to see you. I'm sorry. I've been very busy. I know. Your war work. Yet surely you could have found some time to come visit us. I'm sorry. It's going well. What's going well? The war. Is it? Did you know it rained last night? Yes, I know. I opened my window and lay on the bed and watched it. It was a strange sort of rain. So soft and fine. It wasn't as if it was rain at all. When it began to get light, every drop seemed to be dancing as it fell. You didn't sleep. I... I was thinking. Mr. Rogers, we've missed you very much. Why didn't you come see us? I'm sorry, dear. I don't go out these days at all. I go down to the plant. I do everything I can. When I come home, I like to shut the door and be quite alone. I'm sure you understand. Yet each morning you come out of the house and walk the street. How do you know that? I've watched you. We all have. You're very lonely, Mr. Rogers. Yes, I am. I was, too. What? You heard from Tom. No, no, I didn't. Then the war department... Why should they write you? Why not me? Why didn't Mr. they... Mr. Rogers, please, there's been nothing. No letter. Then what? Tell me. I... I don't know how. I see. All right, that's natural. Why not? You've been away so long. 
Why shouldn't you find someone else? Oh, no, no, that's not it. Of course not. Why won't you understand? Understand what? You say you're not lonely anymore, and I'm supposed to understand. Understand what? That you're young, that you can forget. But can I forget my son? Can I forget what he said, how he looked, how he... What have I got left but a lonely house? I stopped being lonely the day someone... One of the neighborhood women stopped me on the street. He asked me where she and some of the others could send packages to Tom. Our Tom? Yes. Ours. I don't understand. Why should they... What was Tom to them? Tom mattered to a lot of people on this street. I suddenly began to realize that he mattered on many other streets where they didn't know his name or who he was. Why, Anne? Why? Because Tom isn't just ours anymore. What had happened to him mattered to everybody back home who has a sweetheart in this war. Or a husband. Or a son. the house that I lived in lost its walls, and all the rooms were filled with rubble, and a dust arose, and when I looked again, my empty house was gone. And suddenly a new house arose, and it was filled with people, all the people to whom Tom mattered, even though they had never seen him, or didn't even know his name. All the people whose hearts were filled with the work, the troubles, and the hopes of this war that my son and my daughter, yeah, and I, were fighting. So this is the house I live in, a house of people. And there can be no walls, for sorrow knows no walls. And determination knows no walls. And there are no walls for faith. Just heard Raymond Massey in The House I Live In, a new play by Arch Obler. Included in the cast with Mr. Massey were Anne Shepard, Alfred Ryder, Mercedes McCambridge, and Hester Sundergaard. The song, The House I Live In, was written by Earl Robinson and Lewis Allen and was sung by Miss Hope Foy. The original music was set by Gordon Jenkins and the orchestra was conducted by Sylvan Levin. <laughs> Next week, from Hollywood, Mr. Obler will bring you an original comedy entitled Love, 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 which is subtitled An Excursion into the Gentle Art. 
This will be the fourth in a special series of plays written, produced, and directed for the Mutual Broadcasting System by Arch Obler. To conclude the program, Sylvan Levin and the orchestra bring you excerpts from Gordon Jenkins' original tone poem, This Living Book, dedicated to the free men of the free nations who are now meeting in San Francisco to plan a free tomorrow. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. You know, that broadcasting system got along with everyone. It's very mutual, you know, had no problem with the other networks. Well, I'm glad you used your dictionary and looked up the word. At least you know what the word means now. Mutual. <laughs> <laughs> that is Arch Obler's plays, The House I Live In, April 26, 1945, starring Raymond Massey along with Mercedes, is how they said it in the beginning. Mercedes McCambridge. That's like the highbrow way of saying it. I say Mercedes. Right. I'm going to go with the highbrow way and say Mercedes. And Shepard also in the cast. Uh, good episode. Hope you enjoyed that time for this month in music history. That's right. And we are in the 1980s, and we're going to start. We are? We're in the 1980s? Yeah, in this Did month in music history. Did I get in a time machine or something? Don't you wish we Gosh, were in the 1980s? do I ever. Wow. That wow. Would be, if, if You'd only. be in your 40s, and I'd be in my <laughs> 20s. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So for this segment of this month in music history, actually the whole evening, we're in the 1980s. Let's hear the first song. Another one bites the dust. Yes, by Queen. Nope. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? So this is from their album, The Game, and it was a worldwide hit, charted number one on the uh, U.S. Billboard charts for wow. three weeks. What a song. What a song. What a Love group. Love it. All right. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Lisa, stop taking selfies of yourself, would you? We have a, a radio of show. Myself? I just posted a picture of us on Facebook. Really? So if you'd Looked like, like to you see, were taking a selfie. No, if you'd like to see us working behind the scenes or just kind of hardly working, you can check out our Facebook page and see what's going on. All right, in the next hour, the great Gildersleeve going way back to 1942, plus beat the host. Right, we need a caller right now. The uh, Oh, What's the number? Uh, 312-642-5600. Elton John. Be right back. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey go a lot easier. 